0: Toxic positivity and spiritual bypassing—they might sound like two big terms, but they're actually very common amongst people who have mental health challenges. Assalamualaikum and welcome to episode twenty-five of the Mentally Fit Muslims podcast. I'm your host, Sabah Malik. And I cannot believe that, alhamdulillah, it's been over a year that I've been podcasting and talking to you. Thank you so much for joining me and giving me your precious time. Check out my website, mentallyfitmuslims.org, because I've started adding transcriptions for the episodes I've done in the past. So if you really love reading and you want to just read some of the juicy quotes, check out those show notes. Also, remember to check out my memoir, Morning Wind. It's a memoir of moods and madness and everything in between. It's available on Apple Podcast with a premium subscription. So today's guest is Dr. Farah Islam and I was reading her biography to my husband and he said she's basically doing what you want to do. So I said, hey, why not have my future self on? So Farah Islam, she has a PhD. She's a mental health advocate, educator, and researcher. She explores mental health and service access in Canada's racialized and immigrant populations. And her research is oriented towards community work and breaking down the barriers of mental health stigma. She's also a senior fellow in the data and psycho-spiritual department at Yaqeen Institute. I know it sounds really cool. And she's also taught courses in Muslim mental health at the University of Toronto, Islamic Online University, and Islamic Institute of Toronto. And she currently serves on the Expert Advisory Committee for the Muslim Women's Shelter, Nisa Home. All right, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Dr. Farah Islam. Assalamu alaikum, Dr. Farah. Wa
1: alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu, Sister Sabah, I'm so excited to be here with you today.
0: I'm so happy to have you as well. Farah. It's such an honor. I saw you online uh, when Gatine Institute was doing a panel discussion, and it was on mental health. And when I saw you mention two terms, uh, which was spiritual bypassing and toxic positivity, I could not believe I had heard someone talk about two things that I had been experiencing for the past 10 years. And it was like My mind was trying to grasp what this was because I was dealing with it, but I didn't know such a term existed. And when I saw you talk about it, just mentioning it, I was like, wow, there's someone else who is feeling the same thing. Who gets that? And I thought if she's feeling it, if Farah is feeling that and she can voice it and she has that professional background, the research background, it exists. It's not in my head and I'm not making it up. So that's when I wanted to have you on. And I'm so thankful that you agreed to come on. So, how are you doing?
1: Alhamdulillah, I'm so good. I mean, I, I love how you mentioned that as well. You know, it's so wonderful when we actually get terms or we put words to, to what we've experienced, right? That actually resonate with our experience. I feel like these terms of toxic positivity, spiritual bypassing, mm-hmm. I mean, they've only kind of come about in the last couple of years. And it's just so amazing to to talk about now, especially now within that, within our context of our Muslim community talking more about mental health and talking about mental health stigma. So I think it's a fantastic opportunity. Alhamdulillah. Um, do we want to, define them a little bit just for everyone tuning in?
0: Yeah, that would be a great place to start. I want to know how you define it and what your research background and professional background has taught you about these two terms.
1: Sure. Okay, Inshallah. So uh, in terms of toxic positivity, that's basically what we do when we, um, in a way, we're going through a difficult time, a hardship, or we're listening to a friend going through a difficult time and we... Um, explain it away, or we try to kind of coach them out of it. We kind of say things, you know, keep your head up, it's going to be okay, you're going to get through this, and we go into coach mode, and we just kind of put all these positive, wonderful words to it, because we think that it's going to help that person be more resilient, going to get them through that difficulty. But in reality, sort of, what we're saying is that, you know, I'm uncomfortable with the pain that you're going through, whatever dark time you're facing, and I want to put a pretty sticker onto it. I want to put a happy face sticker onto it, and I want to just move on because I'm uncomfortable. And 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 it sends, of course, a very difficult message to our poor friend who's going through yeah. that pain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then spiritual bypassing is kind of like the spiritual counterpart to toxic positivity, if you will. So maybe we're not putting a happy face sticker on it, but we're putting a spiritual sticker like, oh, you're going through a difficult time, you know, go pray more, have sabr, have patience, you know, go do this, go do that. And again, we're not listening to the person going through the hardship or the pain. Um, and the thing is, we do it to ourselves too, right? I'm sure, Saba, you've been in situations mm-hmm. where it's such a difficult time, or you're you're in complete despair, whatever it is, and you tell yourself, "Hey, I'm gonna get through this. I'm okay. It doesn't matter. Just you know, and to just shove it away under a rug, and to tell yourself not to focus on it. And and yeah, tell me, Saba, when you've been in those situations, does it help you?
0: Uh, no, it doesn't <laughs> put that, that you like you said the smiley sticker and the, the you know the spiritual sticker. It's funny when you mention the smiley sticker because a lot of times when I see um, the bipolar word online and you search for pictures of it, you know what it is, right? It's a, a smiley face and then a sad face. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. If you think that's what mental health challenges are, like so black and white, and you can just use a punctuation mark to to show such a nuance, such a complex disorder and other disorders, then that person does not know what is going on. And that's exactly what you're saying. There's so much... um, not like intentional ignorance, but it's just a very new thing, especially in the Muslim community, just having a mental vocabulary, even just knowing. And I think that is what, what really struck me when I was listening to you was that vocabulary. Once I heard it and I learned it and I'm on this kind of path to define it and learn from you, it just it kind of takes that blame away from you. You know you stop self-blaming and because you know oh okay that thing exists that's the term so that knowledge i think it really brings relief no i, I loved how i love how
1: you mentioned that as well because i mean having a space to put words to what we're experiencing um, is so important and what you're saying you know we make those smiley face sad face you know we, we absolutely oversimplify constructs that are difficult and complicated and nuanced right that's kind of unfortunately it's part of being human you know when we see something that's difficult for us to understand or we're scared of it we fear it or it's too complicated it's too messy you know we would rather gloss it over with a pretty Mm -hmm. happy face or make it pretty for ourselves because it brings us that discomfort so Inshallah, yeah, absolutely. The sort of mental health journey that all of us, I think, are on of being more woke to ourselves and being more Mm -hmm. woke to what we're going through does require getting into that messy, that nitty gritty, complicated, dark, turbulent stuff and kind of digging around into that mud and trying to really understand, you know, what are we really experiencing, right? SubhanAllah. Mm -hmm.
0: In your professional experience, what? What do you think makes someone avoid those difficult, uncomfortable emotions and to just oversimplify things in their head, especially when it comes to their own experiences? Why, why, why does someone have a tendency to do that? Or even as a group of people, you know, a family, seeing someone struggle with a mental health issue and just trying to again using that glossy sticker and just slapping it on them and saying this is what it is we figured it out it's fixed why why do we have a tendency to do that
1: it's so true no it's it's one of the most human of tendencies right as human beings we would do anything to avoid pain right and when we go through those dark times whether it's trauma in our in our families or or these dark Uh, periods of time that we would rather shove it away, put it into a closet, put it into, you know, under the rug and pretend that it didn't happen, right? That is, we think, easier for us, but of course, in the long term, in the long run, that trauma, that darkness, those parts of us that still hurt us, well, they'll still continue to jab us from the inside, right? We haven't really actually put it away because we haven't processed it. But that idea of having to process it face our demons face our darkness it's scary it's painful and it's understandable that as people as individuals as families we try to run from it rather than to face
0: it mm-hmm. that's true it is it is difficult that was one quote that really stuck uh, struck me about you when you said lean into the discomfort how can someone do that like lean into it because it can be very scary and with you know with covid or actually just coming out of it and kind of mentally recovering um socially psychologically it is very scary to go down that path especially if you're alone and you basically are alone in your head how how can a practicing muslim or someone who's spiritual how can they increase their reliance on allah and kind of get away from that spiritual bypassing doing that to themselves what what do you think are just small tangible little things or things they can say to themselves little habits that they can put into action just so They have a grasp on this spiritual bypassing and toxic positivity because it can be a very big thing, especially for someone, let's say, who recently got anxiety or who got depression, and they might not know that they're doing this to themselves. And that brings them sadness, I find is okay, But when it gets into despair, that is a very, very dangerous beast, I find, because as Muslims, part of our belief is having hope in Allah. And despair is from the shaitan. He wants us to despair. So, how do we get a grasp on the sadness and not move towards that despair? What are things that you would recommend to somebody who's experiencing depression or anxiety, especially in this COVID coming out of period or era, I would say? that's
1: beautifully stated let me let me also just say this that i am i am not a therapist i'm not a clinician i'm coming from a background of you know of of education of, of teaching people about mental health about mental health stigma so um absolutely um one thing i always do recommend is that if you If you are going through a difficult time or you are in despair, um, absolutely do reach out and to seek help. You know, alhamdulillah, we do have amazing um, mental health services now coming up and and wonderful professionals. Um, You know, for me particularly, and and, and this is kind of an exercise I've been doing myself and and I do recommend it, you know, we went through a really difficult, dark time together. All of us did as as the world. And we went through COVID we went through this idea of lockdown and and, um, socially distancing ourselves, you know, doing things that are completely unnatural to us as human beings. Um, I think it is a very necessary and important exercise to kind of look back on what was your COVID resilience story? What did this, what did this, you know, period of COVID and lockdown, what did it do to you? You know, what were those dark, dark periods, what were the highlights, you know, where did it take you? Where were your emotions? Um, how was it with your family, your relationships, all of it and explore it, write about it. Um, and and kind of, kind of, you know, explore it and be honest with yourself. And you wanna get to this sort of real honest emotion or really dig to the, you know, dig down, dig down deep to what you really felt was it fear. And I think for a lot of us, the real, it was this sort of fear of uncertainty, this fear of, I don't know what's going to happen. And and so when you're able to kind of sit with yourself and understand sort of your real deep fears, you can begin then inshallah, to sort of climb out of those fears and to have that in Allah. But it does require you kind of sitting with those difficult feelings and emotions that you may have buried and put away And for me, it has been a lot about writing to myself. I also started seeing a therapist, and SubhanAllah, it Mm. it is such an amazingly powerful and empowering journey, and I do recommend it. It was a dark time for us as a family that we went through some very difficult times during, it happened to be during COVID. So, you know, add COVID on top of all of that. (laughs) and So um, therapy was a very important way for me to really process it because yes, I was burying, I was, you know, we judge our emotions. Here's the thing, right? We think that these are good emotions, being positive, being resilient, being hopeful. These are good emotions and these are bad emotions being angry, being in despair, being being whatever. But the thing is, right, as human beings, we feel all these emotions and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us those emotions so that we can kind of tune in as messages to what we're going through, right? And judging ourselves as having bad emotions, these are good, bad, that means that what we're going to end up doing is bottling up all of our bad quote unquote emotions and trying as hard as we can to focus on the good but you can't do that if let's say you've experienced a death in your family or you're going through something like covid which did put you through in a difficult space if you only try to keep telling yourself you're okay just be happy don't worry there's nothing to worry about but you are worried right you're not tuning into what you're experiencing you know i find that often The problem with toxic positivity is like, it's like we're deceiving ourselves. We're telling ourselves, you know, we're painting this beautiful picture, this like, I don't know, this beautiful picturesque sunset, mountains, whatever, what we want to see, but we are blinding ourselves from the reality that's actually in front of us. And that might be a difficult time you're going through, right? And the thing is, barring yourself from reality it cripples us because we don't deal with the issues that are actually at hand because we can't even see them you know that whole idea of having rose-colored glasses it's like you have rose-colored blinders on right it's like the the lens is opaque you can't even see through it so that's absolutely not helpful it doesn't let you see what's in front of you and so while we think that we're you know you know um we're fostering our resilience we're getting stronger because we're just you know muscling our way through our tough times we're actually making ourselves less resilient because we're not facing the actual darkness that we're going through and and so the exercise really is about you know really needing to dig to the root of what you're experiencing you know what is the real honest raw emotion you're feeling so maybe it presents like as anger you're angry that you're not able to go to, maybe you lost your job in COVID, maybe what you might, you might be angry about it, you might be um, expressing it as anger, but when you kind of sit with yourself, talk it out with someone you love or trust, whether that's a therapist, whether that's someone in, you know, in your family or your friend, or just with yourself, you're writing it out, um, and you kind of explore, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me think about that. Maybe at the root of it is that I'm scared. I'm scared of what it means for me to lose my job. Do I lose my identity? How am I going to take care of my family? What's going to happen to my career? Right, All those other fears. And maybe at the bottom of it is just sadness that you lost that. Do you know what I mean? And so, and to, to first be able to acknowledge that that's what you're experiencing and then to feel it not to deny it not to judge it not to bury it not to rationalize it away And I think that's what we often do right subhanallah so yeah yeah, just being honest with yourself really really being raw and honest
0: yeah just you mentioning those fears I'm all my heart is already (laughs) trembling with the fear of those things And it's funny when you talked about the rose colored glasses. I remember like five years ago, or even before that, I had written a blog post and I specifically remember mentioning the sentence, you know, like leave me alone or don't mind me if I put on my rose colored glasses because everything is great with bipolar, you know, nothing is wrong. Look at the positive. (laughs) And I did that for a while and then I was like, But it's not. What am I lying to myself? This really, it it sucks. It's hard. And how long am I gonna deny that just to show a happy face that I've got this? I'm strong, I've conquered bipolar. And then you're like, but I really haven't. I'm still frail, I'm still human, I need a lot, I need a therapist. And I'm I'm so glad, alhamdulillah, that you just mentioned it as like a regular thing. Because if somebody like, you know, you see someone or someone starts gaining weight or they're not eating well they start thinking, okay, I need to eat better, maybe get a trainer, maybe go to the doctor. There's no judgment. Most people, you know, they wouldn't attach a judgment to getting like uh, a trainer, uh, uh, you know, a physical, just getting some physical exercise. So I think we need to think about therapy in the same sense. It's a trainer for your mental health. And I I think the more we talk about it, it just normalizes it.
1: And the name of your podcast is, you know, Mentally Fit. It's that <laughs> I like, said like, mental
0: fitness, right? Yeah.
1: It's it's just a natural thing just to take it's, care of your heart,
0: soul, mind. Yeah, what's yeah. Wrong with that? Yeah, it was funny when I was naming it. Uh, I was like, well, what's it about? It's about mental illness and people who have mental illnesses. So I'll call it mentally ill Muslims. I was like, what? <laughs> no no, I don't want that to be be the focus. And there was even one uh, psychiatrist and his book really, I didn't agree with everything he was saying, but there was one thing. And he said, I don't think we need to use the term mental illness. If anything, we can call it mental health issues or just uh, mental disorders. But mental illness, it's a very, uh, it's a big label. It's a very heavy label. And I think once somebody falls into that, it starts to set the tone for their, you know, for their wellness, for their treatment. So just think mentally fit, you know, mental fitness, mental workout, anything like that. The defining and I find the vocabulary really plays a big role. And you were saying COVID resilience story. (laughs) Can you tell us what you or tell me what you mean by that? Because I, I w- when I think of that COVID resilience story, um, I think of this podcast because it was born during the COVID time. Oh,
1: that's amazing. <laughs> so maybe you've been documenting your COVID resilience.
0: Story. I think I have. And I, I wasn't really sure that's what I was doing. Mashallah.
1: <laughs> and then, then this is something that got you through it. I think maybe mm-hmm. these kinds of conversations with wonderful people. Alhamdulillah, for me, COVID resilience story was going back and thinking about what it was like when we first learned we had to be in COVID and uh, under lockdown, what that meant, all the difficult emotions, the turmoil that it put me and my husband and my family through and how, you know, I don't know how how it was for everybody, but my husband and I, you know, we kind of, we um approached this whole idea of lockdown and covid very differently right my husband went into this sort of i don't know busy 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 mode and he was trying very hard to put all these other elements in place he was just you know in work mode almost and for me i went into this mode of trying to you know protect our family and to you know work on our relationships and you know focus this way and so i felt that we were not on the same page and i thought you know that 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 kind of destabilized a lot of yeah. our family to begin with. <laughs> and yeah. I think for many families too, the whole the gender roles I think became very magnified um, under COVID as well. And so you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There were all, there yeah. all these sorts of pressure points or stress points, and we were all put into turmoil in different ways.
0: It's true. When you mentioned your husband and he went into you said work mode. Yep. Yeah. I, in the beginning, I was like, okay, I got time off. Everybody's home. Let's be super productive. I made schedules. I made timelines. I put up calendars. So the first couple of months, because I thought it would last three months. I was like, okay, March, April, May. Come June, I should get this much work done. So I have a really great summer. June, no, still in lockdown. Okay, maybe by fall, you know, we can go apple picking. Things will be open. No, cases are going up. And winter was the hardest. And then this year, this March, I'm like, I don't know when this is going to end. And I feel like that's when the toxic positivity, I was like, okay, that first year, that was the toxic positivity. And now I have to lean into the discomfort. I have to face this. And the spiritual bypassing that came crumbling down too. And I found I had to have a like I had to have a real conversation with myself with Allah with the people around me and just setting boundaries and having those uncomfortable conversations that's a very difficult thing for me because what i do is uh stonewalling if i can't deal with something just walk out walk out that is not a good strategy because in covid and lockdown you cannot walk out there's nowhere to go <laughs> there's no you're way stuck to go. I'm doing that. you're stuck so I think, alhamdulillah, yeah, like I want to be able to look at this COVID time and not apply that happy or that sad label to it. So... I'm just so blessed that I was able to, you know, Alhamdulillah, you came into my life and I was able to, you know, have this time with you and talk to you. So far, we talked about dealing with the spiritual bypassing and toxic positivity. It's going to take me some time to get used to these terms, but <laughs> they are much, sorry, <laughs> they're a mouthful, <laughs> they are, but it's not as much as, as much as of a mouthful uh, compared to what goes in in my head you know, the racing thoughts and everything that, that just goes so fast, having these terms, I want to get used to it. And I want to use it as a normal, you know, part of my vocabulary, I especially want to teach it to the next generation, you know, kids who are younger, because I find let's say you have a little child and they fall down, let's say, and you say, "Oh, it's okay, everything's fine. You're fine. Don't be sad. Don't cry. Come on, stop crying. You're a big girl. You're a big boy. Boys don't cry.
1: Yes, 100%. Those are
0: exactly the things we say. Yes. Yeah. It's taught from such an early point on because we haven't made this a priority. It hasn't been mental health and learning about this stuff. It's not been part of our life. And I hope, inshallah, in the future, you know, in schools, in our education system, we can have courses on mental health. Just like we have gym. We should have something called, I don't know, mental. I don't know. (laughs) Because even right now, me yeah even me saying the word mental it sounds like it's it connotates somebody who's crazy you know when you say oh you're mental you've gone mental she's insane stay away from her you know just the way we use the words we need to change the way we um, see them and reframe them what do you think 100 so much of
1: this is about mental health stigma is rooted in our language the ways in which we talk about others because of our fears because we're scared because we don't understand right for for many of us you know mental health or mental health issues mental illness is this great unknown we don't understand it and so we start to use this language that just really doesn't encompass the full sort of nuance of what a person goes through right just like you were saying that you know you were trying so hard to show the positive side of being bipolar of living with bipolar disorder and how exhausting that became because yeah not being true to yourself right you're you're not allowing yourself to to you know show the full range of all the different emotions all the different experiences of what it means to be a complicated interesting wonderful human being who happens to also live with bipolar disorder right you're trying to deny the the other parts of ourselves, I mean, it becomes very exhausting, Spinal Love, right? And and I loved you mentioned as well, what we say to our children, don't cry, boys, don't cry. You're okay, right? The thing is usually when we do that to our kids, they usually cry even louder, right? They cry even harder. Or they kind of, I don't know, become, they freeze right in a a way right even though you know you can see from their eyes that they must be very scared or they're in pain but they don't know how to express it to you and of course we want to build a healthy beautiful home where our children do come to us when they're in pain but that does come and that does start with when they're you know two years old and they have scraped their knee and you're able to with compassion with empathy you know get down to their level and say I see you got hurt. Are you okay? How are you feeling? Do you know what I mean? And really being able Mm -hmm. to resonate with their experience and not explain it away because it's uncomfortable or not convenient for us.
0: Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's starting to make sense. And as educators, so what I want to do is we started off by defining the terms and then we talked about it. We gave some examples. Now I want to apply it. (laughs) So I'm going to take an example and uh, can you help me out and say, uh, tell me, or like, let me know um, whether I'm doing spiritual bypassing or not. Okay. So here's a scenario, which would be that I'll take the child example. So let's say your kid falls down, they scrape their knee and you admit that it hurts. I know it's tough. I know you're in pain. Um, what would you say? Like, I would say, oh, that's okay. And then I would point them back to Allah and say, he's the healer. He can fix this. And he is perfect. We're not, we get hurt. Would you say that's spiritual bypassing still? Or like, I'm I'm not sure. Like, I want to be able to respond to a child like that, to my own kid and let them know that there's hope, but I'm not trying to put a you know, a mental band-aid. I'm going to give them a physical band-aid, but not a mental one. So if I were to say that, that, you know what, we fall down, we get hurt, Allah's here, he's going to fix this. Let's see what we can do. Oh, we can put a band-aid on it. Would you call that spiritual bypassing when you bring Allah in the picture and just mention his name so that someone thinks about Allah and they don't feel like, okay, like a child is not going to know the term spiritual bypassing, but they're definitely going to feel it. So would you say is that spiritual bypassing in your experience or in your opinion? It's, it's, it's complicated, Sabha. No,
1: I love how you're bringing up examples. So there's no cookie cutter, you know, perfect way that we could respond. It really depends actually on the receiver and the situation. So if you feel that your child or whoever you may be speaking to would would receive solace, from those words of you being able to connect it with Allah, reminding them Allah is the healer. If you think that would give them real solace to their pain, then Alhamdulillah it's the perfect and wonderful thing to say. If they're not ready to receive that message, maybe not at that moment, maybe they're bleeding, maybe you need to first stop the bleeding and get them to a more calm place and then give them those words of hope inshallah then do that It, it, it is all about it's sort of a beautiful dance of back and forth and and trying to understand where that person is at um but absolutely i think i think a nice way with kids too is that you kind of ask questions rather than say statements. So we could, you could say something like, you know, what kind of, um, I see we're in a kind of a difficult situation right now. So you're a little, in a little bit of trouble, you're in pain. Uh, what kind of dua do you think we can make to Allah so he can help us or, or something like that? So you're involving your child also in that brainstorming. They're part of the solution. They're coming up with the solution themselves, whether then rather than us telling them
0: Mm, I love that asking them questions instead of stating stuff because that puts them in control in charge of their experience and they define it and they come to that realization that I am feeling this and I think it makes them feel like they're not being rushed like in their you know quote-unquote recovery even though it might be like as an adult oh it's just a little cut it's gonna especially even if it's a paper cut like I, I bought my daughter like dollar, a whole pack of bandages. Maybe there were like 20 or 50 inside it, but it was a dollar because she would get the tiniest cut. Mommy, I need a bandit. I need a band. I was tired of dispensing bandages. So I got her the cheapest <laughs> bandages because I realized all she needed was a happy sticker on it and it had to be like cartoon bandages. So I'm like, OK, here. Put as many bandages as you want. And once I did that, she stopped like kind of reaching for them all the time. Like, you know, at one point she was looking at her cut and it didn't scare her. She wasn't like, oh, my God, red blood. Oh, no. You know, it wasn't an ER moment for her. So I love that you said that, like ask them questions and that puts them it gives them agency. It it gives them um, this power over their own knowing that, okay, I have these emotions. Let me see what I can do with it.
1: And when when our children come to us asking for a band-aid, I mean, they're coming to us because, you know, they they they're they're scared, they're feared, but they also just want your comfort. They want some of your love and your attention. And so that's lovely. Yes, getting them, you know, cute, cute band-aids yeah. and and just and just doing that for them. And alhamdulillah, you know, she got to a point where those cuts mm-hmm. and that blood didn't scare her as much anymore, right? And so that's that's exactly what we want to do as parents, right? Be that person. That they can come to in those times of need, in those times of distress, and we can help them, inshallah. Um but yes, so there there's that sort of fine balance of you know not resonating with their experience, not helping them at all, and then the other part of that helicopter parenting of of always, you know, jumping in and trying to rescue them from Mm -hmm. pain. But of course, as we know, you know, SubhanAllah, you know life has pain and hardship and those are some of our greatest teachers in life right we can we can all I'm sure say yeah. that and understand that and so there is that very difficult juggle and that balance of not trying to rescue them not trying to protect them too much and at the same time also not mm-hmm. feeling too much so um it's it's a difficult dance
0: panela as parents it is it, it, it is difficult and I think it's important when we make our life Allah focused and then we have trust in Allah that he is the ultimate one who's going to take care of everything. So if my child or even, you know, a parent or a sibling, a friend is going through a really difficult time and I wish I could just jump in, fix everything, because then I wouldn't have to experience and watch them kind of lose it or spiral out of I wouldn't have to watch them spiral out of control. I wish I could do that. But it's that stepping back and trusting that what they're going through, they can figure it out themselves. I just need to be there on the sideline, just supporting them and letting them know that I'm present. I'm here for you. And at the same time, Allah is the ultimate one who's here for you and who's present. so, so much wisdom
1: in that. No, absolutely. Um, all this toxic positivity and spiritual bypassing. I've been doing a lot of reading of Dr. Susan A. David and Dr. Brené Brown. They're, they're the ones who often mm-hmm. talk about these two very interesting concepts. And who I was think- the first
0: one, sorry? Uh, uh Dr. Brené Susan Brown and David. Susan David. David.
1: Yeah, they even did a podcast together. together? Or they did oh, a really? Together. So I'm sure you can check that out. somewhere.
0: Yeah, I've heard Brené Brown's podcast and she has really great uh, guests on and that's what yes. I love about her she's very real she's not gonna hide that she has tough stuff going on even though she's done like decades of research and if I just read her research part sorry I cut you off because I, I love her work but go ahead <laughs>
1: Ma-shallah. no no continue continue
0: no no it's okay I want to hear about Suzanne David because I haven't heard about her so,
1: <laughs> so Susan David also often talks exactly about toxic positivity um so for me reading both Dr. Susan A. David and Dr. Brene Brown talking about these two concepts of spiritual bypassing and toxic positivity. I think, I think we initially will listen to these concepts and think, oh, there were these times in my life where this person, that person, ABC did this to me. Um, but I think the aha moment, and for me when it was a real learning experience is when I put that lens back onto myself. When have I, spiritually bypassed others or where have mm-hmm. when have I not really listened and tuned into someone's pain when have I told them you know go pray it away I don't want to deal with this or just be happy do you know what I mean and I I'm absolutely 100 mm-hmm. guilty of it myself and I think that's when the real learning opportunity came for me when I was able to see oh okay These are things that I need to stop saying, or I need to tune in more to the pain of others
0: and to what's happening around me. It's like you got that distance by focusing inward and saying, when did I do that same thing that I'm kind of accusing someone else of? And once you put yourself in that situation, you're like, wait, I've done that many times. Yes. And the thing is, if we've done it to others, that means we're very regularly, if not constantly doing it to ourselves. Yes. And when absolutely. we make it, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yes, no, no, that's
1: beautiful, Saba. No. Um, I was just thinking how, you know, all of us as human beings, you know, we react to it could be the same situation, but we react to it differently. So like my sister and I, we we were going through this difficult time in our family and our reactions were kind of the opposite in a way. Like me, I was just crying a lot and she was more angry. And and I know that I did the whole toxic positivity. Uh, kind of you know I did that to her as well and saying you know I was not comfortable with her anger I wasn't comfortable with her expressing that anger and so I find that that exactly what you're saying so but that means that I'm not comfortable with my own anger right that's also something I absolutely deny to myself when I'm angry I just pretend that it's not you know that it didn't happen or I you know I bottled up and I throw it away or I hide it because I'm not comfortable with that anger, right? And so it was a lot of trying to lean into that discomfort and think, oh, wait a minute. I told my sister that it's not okay for her to be angry. Mm-hmm. That's horrible, right? Why did I do that? And, oh, and
0: Wow. Oh and, my and God, a- I was just gonna t- t- I was just <laughs> gonna uh, spiritual bypass you and toxic positivity. say, no, no, you probably did great, you're fine. And I was like, no. wait, no. That's toxic positivity. Don't do <laughs> for us. No, we just talked about it for the past like forty minutes. <laughs> so yeah, but but it's good that we're talking about it. And then you start to notice it. Yes. It's it, it's kind of like a backwards thing. First you see it somewhere outside. Then you're like you start, you talk to someone about it, and then you're like it starts to go and It starts to sink in. And once you do the work in your head and your brain, you mull it over. Then you start noticing it outside, and then you're like okay. Yeah, and it's not so scary anymore. Like leaning into those uh, uncomfortable situations, it's not scary. And I think what really helps is having this, like invisible wall or boundary. It's not there to shut the person out or the situation or the uncomfortable situation, but it's just to give yourself some distance. Or you can think of it like you're hovering above the situation and just watching it as an observer, seeing what's going on. And that really helps you look at it objectively, I find. What do you think? Does that help you? or? Yes, yes, I, and it's that's kind of
1: also the concept in in cognitive behavioral therapy, right? Having that sort of mm-hmm. space or that pause between your your thoughts, your feelings, and your behavior. So I think that's actually what you mentioned too, Sabah. We all need that moment to pause, yeah. to remember Allah, to center ourselves, to ground ourselves, say Bismillah, and then <laughs> respond to
0: whatever is yeah. in front of us. And I'm gonna put put in a plug for Salah five times a day. That is our pause. It's like yeah. pulling us. I, I find the whole day, what we're doing is we're going in a horizontal fa- fashion or horizontal axis. We're going this way, that way, getting that done, doing that errand. And then when it's a lot of time, it's like you're transported and you're pulled up. And it's the first time you're looking in a vertical axis. For the first time, you're looking cool. up and connecting yourself to Allah. And that is, it's a great way to get that distance without shutting it up because you feel like you have support. Allah is the one who created these emotions. He created sadness, he created anger. And I don't know if you've seen the movie Inside Out. Yes. (laughs) So I just learned it was made by psychologists and in there, there's sadness and the main character's joy. And, you know, all she wants to do is, you know, she actually tells sadness here, this is a circle, you stay in there because she seems to think that sadness doesn't have a purpose but it does it's just another emotion and like going back to what you were saying that like don't label emotions as good or bad you know good or bad just like food don't label it as this is good food and this is bad food no maybe this is healthier and this is less healthy you know this is going to sustain me and this is going to bring me down so it's just looking at it um you know in in a better way that's right in a
1: non-judgmental way hmm. um and I love that too. It's kind of this paradigm shift of looking at our, emo- our emotions in a non judgmental way, in that our emotions are just messages. There are sort of internal little messages or text messages or communication that's telling us what we're going through. And so if we're denying those messages, right, we're putting ourselves more in pain. When we're putting sadness into a square or a circle or putting our anger into a box and telling, ourselves that we're not allowed to feel these emotions, right? We deny ourselves the full sort of spectrum of the beauty of this life, subhanAllah. And and you mm-hmm. know, you know, even our Prophet, وسلم, you know, oh, one yeah, of his I'm beautiful saying. teachings is that the Qalb, you know, the spiritual heart is as inconsistent as boiling water, right? Mm. Right, yeah, our emotions, of our kalb, our spiritual state, it's always changing. That is the natural part as a natural sort of um, a reality of human existence. And why are we denying ourselves that saying that no, you always need to be positive. You always need to be this, this, this. That's so judgmental and that's so absolutely denying what the reality actually is, right? Isn't our deeds so beautiful that yeah. we that we acknowledge what the yeah. human heart the, kalib, the spiritual state what our emotions really
0: are mm-hmm. i love that that we acknowledge the tough part too that the heart it does change and yeah i, I agree with what you're saying it, it it is beautiful we need to look at our faith and see that how balanced it is and just apply that in every little aspect of our life and especially in the way we think um is there anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up? I mean, it's been a great conversation. I can go on forever, but I know your time is precious. And you let me know that you only schedule one um, yeah, that's engagement per month. It's and really was like, alhamdulillah. So for, you know, for uh, people who are listening, you guys are very blessed, alhamdulillah, that Dr. Farah Islam gave up, you know, her one hour. And alhamdulillah, I learned a lot. I'm so grateful that you came on and I'd love to have you back. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add on or Alhamdulillah?
1: No, that was a wonderful, wonderful session, Saba. Um no, I just yeah, I just really loved it. Let me think. What do I want to wrap up with? No, no, I I think I think I think we covered what I'd wanted to say. Alhamdulillah. So one one du'a that I've been really reflecting on through COVID and has meant a lot to me. Because we've gone through so much uncertainty, so much difficulty. And and I felt that, you know, that whole concept of, you know, that Allah takes everything out of your hands or empties your hands so that He can give you more, right? So much of COVID felt like that for me. You no, know, I, you know, I lost my job, I had, you know, all these sort of difficult things happen in my family. So I felt like my hands became very empty, subhanAllah. And then going into Ramadan with that, with those empty hands. subhanallah it made my dua made my connection with allah so much more powerful so deep so much deeper than it ever has been and so you know i really do encourage all of us you know lean into that discomfort lean into those dark times lean into that in those times where you feel empty where you feel like you don't have anyone but allah because that's when you find him, right? That's when you find him in your life, in your heart. And so one dua that I found really powerful um, has been, um, you know, you oh know, give my nafs, give my soul, it's taqwa. You know, and uh, You are the you know the greatest one, or you are the one who purifies. You're the best of those who purify. And You know, you are its protector. You are its you are our guardian, right? Allah is the guardian, the protector. He is the mender of our hearts. He is Al Jabbar. He is the restorer. And I found. That focusing on that beautiful aspect of Allah when I have felt so broken, you know, in my brokenness to focus on how Allah is the restorer. He is the mender. He is the protector. Um, SubhanAllah, it was so powerful for me this Ramadan. Um, So I just wanted to share that with with everybody listening.
0: Alhamdulillah. JazakAllah for sharing that. That is beautiful. Lean into the discomfort and lean into those ugly emotions and turn to Allah. Can you say that du'a one more time? I have not learned that du'a, and I would oh, love to love. add it to my uh, bucket, my
1: toolbox. Sure. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: I find du'a is just that. It's an internal, it, it is positive, but it does not have that spiritual bypassing aspect. It's yes. it's facing those uncomfortable things with the being who created them, who created these emotions.
1: You're being honest about how
0: Mm.
1: you are in total need of Allah, Mm. right? There is no spiritual bypassing there. You are being honest with how much you need him. And you are asking the only one who can actually give to you. So that is so empowering.
0: Yeah. You would think that going to Allah and saying that I'm in total need, I need your help, that would weaken you. But I find it takes the pressure off of you. Like you can relax, you can let your shoulders down and know that there's someone taking care of you, ultimately, all of it.
1: That's right. One of the reasons why so many of us go out into nature and that's where we feel connected with Allah or why that's such a spiritual boost for us is exactly what you're saying, Sabah, that feeling of that we're not in control here when you're in nature you know the bugs are flying the weather changes the sun is here we're not in control and that is sort of actually our natural fitra or our natural state is to is to honestly and deeply believe that it's only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is in control of our lives but when we live in this sort of built environment this space, this box, this concrete box that we all inhabit, we forget that and we believe that we are in control. We believe we're the master of our destiny. We believe that, you know, I have this job, I make this money, I put this food on the the table. But we can disrupt that sort of, that hubris, that arrogance that comes kind of naturally from living the way we live, this artificial way we live. When we go out into nature and we remember Oh, wait a minute, I'm not in control. I don't have control over my surroundings, my environment. Who is in control? The only one who is in control is Allah. And yes, that does give freedom. It absolutely, it's like you take this burden off your shoulders and you can just finally relax. Because all we ever wanted our, our soul, our you know, that that very primordial part of us that recognized the lordship or the rububiyyah of Allah knows that it's only Allah who is in control. And so that's another exercise that I do often recommend, you know, those times where we do feel overwhelmed with some of that uh, uncertainty or those difficulties, or when we feel like we're being false with ourselves, when we're not being true to who we are, we feel that exhaustion. Go out into nature and to and just really commune with sort of this beautiful Earth's Panallah that Allah has given us. And remind yourself of the real connection, that lateral connection, that vertical mm-hmm. connection that you're mentioning, um, that vertical connection that we have with Allah, I think is is also a very powerful way mm-hmm. to get through a difficult time. Alhamdulillah.
0: Wow. Thank you, Farah. I, I agree with that, especially the nature part. I do that so often. So it's a great way to lean into that discomfort because you realize that you're not in control. You, you feel like at one, you're part of that natural process so um okay so just to recap uh the couple of tips that you gave was okay we just talked about taking a walk in nature writing you mentioned writing is really helpful for you um and just therapy and cbt in general like i feel like so these three things you know whoever's listening they can use that and just implement it right away in their life yeah this is all packaged you know with dua and quran and just connecting with allah Okay, so I'm going to do my best to uh, not put COVID uh, in the spiritual bypassing and toxic positivity <laughs> area. At the same time, I can't go into hyper analyzing mode because that is destructive too. Okay, so thank you again for your time. Jazakumullah Khairan. Thank you for coming. And I hope to have you on again, inshallah, and hope you have a great day. You too. Jawaiya, kumburakalahu fiqum. This was a beautiful conversation.
1: Jazakumullahu khairan, Saba. You are an inspiration. You are amazing, and hamdunna. I'm so, I'm so honored. Well, that it's nice
0: to be in company. similar company.
1: <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah.
0: Okay. Assalamu alaikum, Farah. Wa alaikum assalamu alaikum. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you benefited. And if you did, please share this with your family and friends. And remember to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcast. And check out my website, mentallyfitmuslims.org and sabbamalik.com. There you can sign up for my email list. So every time I post a new episode, you're in the loop. All right, see you in my next episode. Asalaamu (laughs) Alaikum.